Welcome to the Sports Report Podcast with Ben, Ricky, and Jalen. We cover trending and popular topics surrounding the world of professional and on-campus sports. With each of us having a unique sports background, we give different perspectives and insight on the current climate of sports news. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Sports Report Pod, classes in session. I'm Ben, I'm here with Jalen and Ricky. And we've been gone for about a month, so a lot has gone down in the NFL and NBA. We're going to kick it off with the NFL. We have the AFC and NFC championship games this weekend. We have the Lions and 49ers and the Ravens and Chiefs. So let's start with the NFC. Jalen, what do you think about the Lions and 49ers matchup? I think that that particular game is very intriguing. Two fan bases who love their team so much. And the Niners being at home really, I think, is going to give them a big advantage. We are golf outdoors has not been the greatest quarterback compared to when he's at home indoors um, in front of that Detroit crowd. Um, the Lions' run defense is really bad, but on the con- conversely, the Niners give up a lot of rush yards. But the difference is, I think that pass defense for the Niners is just so much superior than than the Lions' pass defense. Uh, that's a game where um, I could see it being close and the Niners pull away at the end uh, this is easily the Lions toughest matchup obviously you're gonna pro- when you get to the NFC championship it's gonna be hard but um, I, I'll i lean the Niners but, but the fact that the can we just talk about the fact the Lions are here in the first place Dan Campbell has done such a good job with that team and everyone made fun of him everyone made fun of him when he did that little uh, press conference and the whole we're gonna bite your kneecaps off thing but that really is that whole team's identity and it's so fun as a as an NFL fan as a non-Lions fan to watch that so I bet the city of Detroit is ecstatic um, and I think it's gonna be a great game yeah I'm I'm a big fan of Dan Campbell too he's he's a very good coach Uh, last year they had to beat some I think they had to beat the Packers, (laughs) your Packers, so the Seahawks could get in. And I've been liking him ever since, so I'm not going (laughs) to lie. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a very good game. Uh, Jared Goff's been playing out of his mind. And Brock Purdy's been uh, playing good, too. Both of them have been having uh, pivotal drives in the last couple games uh, because they've been so close. Um, But I want to see Jared Goff against the the pass defense. As you talked about before, the 49ers' pass defense is insane. Um, But the Lions' running game, is crazy with the two-headed snake of David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Um, we're gonna see. It's it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very good game, and I think it's gonna be tight. But I do have the 49ers, just off the fact that I feel like they're more of a complete team, and I think it's gonna come down to like the last couple drives where, you know, it's, it's defense, defense first. So, yeah, I have the I have the 49ers winning, but i i'm i'm liking the lions and i'm liking where they're they're heading i'm and i'm really proud of them or not proud of them but i I like i like that they're in the playoffs and getting a chance to go to the super bowl yeah so as a packers fan (laughs) i've seen both teams this year um (laughs) and the 49ers weren't perfect but when it mattered they stepped up the last few minutes of the game they showed that they've been in the playoffs before they know what it takes to win the Lions, this is like all new for them. They've been great the first two games of the playoffs, but 49ers have so much talent and their coaching is really great. They've been to a Super Bowl with Shanahan. So I think the 49ers win, but I think it's going to be really close. And you just feel like this is kind of the Niners get over that hump year. In the past, they've dealt with so many different things. The tart interception, missed interception at the end of that game against the Rams, the Purdy injury. 
And with all the talks of Shanahan not being a playoff caliber guy, you just kind of feel like, okay, what more can happen for this team not to make it to the Super Bowl? Because they're so talented every single year, and it almost feels like this is the year they've separated just in terms of the sheer amount of, like I said, talent that they have everywhere, not just the D-line or the O-line, it's both. The secondary and the receivers, it's both. The quarterback play, coaching, I just feel like they're going to break through. And, you know. Yeah, uh, I think the Packers should have won the game. (laughs) Um, But we're just going to go into that a little bit. Um, But it shows, like, the Packers, the youngest team in the playoffs by far. Right. Um, And it came down to those big plays at the end of the game, and our rookie kicker missed a field goal. Jordan Lovitz, his first year starting, he threw a stupid interception. Um, So, And they had, like, that one drive. It was, like, really far down the field, and McCaffrey punched it in the end to give them the lead. Those are the things, like, when it mattered, the Stars showed up. Ayuk had a big catch on that drive. Purdy was making great throws, and then McCaffrey finished it off. So their playmakers are going to win the game, and Debo is trending towards playing now. So that's going to be big for them, too. That's good. So moving on to the AFC game, we have the Ravens, who are the one seed and have looked really, really good. And then we have the Chiefs, who are always in the championship game with Patrick Mahomes. So we'll start with Ricky this time. What do you think about this game? (sighs) Well, I want the Ravens to win, (laughs) and I really hope they win. (laughs) But you can't put your money against Mahomes. I mean, um, the last three games they played – uh, he's three and one against Lamar, and he's played above average of his of his regular regular games. Um, Lamar, I think this is his year, though. I mean, he he got paid. Uh, that whole controversy before the season on, you know, what's gonna happen? Is he gonna get his money? Is he not? Is he staying? Is he leaving? I think this is his opportunity this year, especially with uh, the defense playing so good. He has probably the best defense that he's had since he's been a Raven. Um, but you just go back to the Chiefs. I mean, I don't know how you could beat Mahomes and Taylor Swift. I, I just don't. I just don't know. <laughs> Especially in the AFC Championship, like it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough challenge for sure. But um, I do have the Chiefs winning. I just I just can't put my money against them. But um, it, it should be. A, I hope it's a tight game. I hope it's a tight game. Yeah. To that point on Lamar, before the season, he was a free agent, and teams were passing on like going after mm, him yeah like remember the falcons were linked to him and they didn't want to go after him so baltimore eventually gave in and paid him and this is kind of his year to prove it um but yeah it's hard to bet against Mahomes. like even when they have a horrible like offense like this year their offense was way worse horrible. than it's been their defense is kind of carrying the way kelsey's taking a step back and they don't have a good group of receivers Rasheed rice has been good but mvs is hit and miss um, Kadarius Tony's a big drop off from the Super Bowl last year. Too many so. yeah. I think it'll be a good game. I think America is rooting for the Ravens, mm-hmm. unless you're a Chiefs fan. <laughs> Same exact boat as both you guys. I would love to see a Lamar Jackson Super Bowl. Um, I think to go off on a Lamar Jackson tangent, he has done n- nothing but the right thing ever since coming into the league. He carries himself with such character talks about Baltimore so highly they love him there and I honestly feel like he's a little overhated I don't I don't know why people think he's not that good obviously not before this season he's gonna win MVP and the second be, 
Yeah, second MVP. It'll be a great storyline if he takes home the MVP and the Super Bowl in the same year. One of the only QBs to do and that. Super Bowl MVP, probably. Yeah, yeah. If he gets him there, that'll probably be the most likely thing. But Mahomes, nine two and one against the spread, eight and four straight up as an underdog, is just unbelievable. Um, he's slowly solidifying himself as like the underdog QB. Like if he's a dog, you just blindly take him. That game against the Bills. I think just showed that the playoffs are a completely different atmosphere than regular season. You can look however bad you want to look in the regular season. Once you get to a one-game elimination environment, it all goes out the window. And Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they know how to win, like you said, Ben. And that group has just been together for so long, and the culture is so good that you can't assess a team based off of how they looked over a 17-game stretch when the track record of the Chiefs is you know, already there. And I think people are starting to see that now. Like we saw with Baker Mayfield. You you can go nine and eight, you can go eight and nine even and, and get to the playoffs. You can win a game if you just, you know, match up well against one team. And the Packers. And the Packers <laughs> did the same thing. I, that, yeah. That's what that's why we love sports. Like the playoffs it's just you cannot count anyone out. And that was a tangent. But to go back to the game, I'm gonna go with the Ravens. I think that Similar to what I said with the Niners, how you just feel like this is their year to break out. I just feel like the Chiefs have gotten a lot of things. The ball has bounced in the right way uh, for them a lot this season. Um, And that Ravens defense, what I'm looking at is, you know Mahomes and Andy Reid are going to do what they're going to do on the offensive side. If I'm just comparing the Ravens defense and the Chiefs defense with the Ravens defense being at home, I'm going to take that defense that's just been so good all year. It's going to be really close, and it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to come down to the turnover battle because Lamar at times has games where he'll fumble yeah. a couple times or throw a couple picks. Mahomes in the playoffs is usually very on point, so Perfect. it'll come down to that. Lamar's been great this postseason, but in years prior he's had games where he's had multiple turnovers, so that's going to be a huge determining factor. And to go off on Lamar a little bit, um, why is he not considered the second-best quarterback in the league? Like, Josh Allen's always brought up right after Mahomes. Right. It's Lamar. And I think we were doing a lot of top-10 quarterback reshuffling, especially this year, and everybody was disrespecting Lamar Jackson. No question, like you said now, people are going to be like, okay, we've got our top two solidified. But the fact that he even had to have this season to go prove that is just a testament to him and the Ravens and, and, and how the sports world views him. Even us, like, we weren't talking about them that much. Yeah. You know, yeah, in previous episodes exactly. of this. And that's on us. Like, we got to give this guy his flowers. He's so good. Yeah, and Josh Allen, he's never won an MVP, so I don't know why, like, we <laughs> held him in such high regard over yeah, he's got Lamar. that cannon of an perception. Arm. Yeah, yeah, like, he runs people over. It's you the see him throw coverage. You, you see him throw 100 yards or throw a ball outside the arena <laughs> or try to throw some, <laughs> do something crazy. That's what people, that's what people like to see. I think... Lamar is so, what's the word I'm looking for? Unorthodox to where we've we seen it with Michael Vick a little bit, but he he formed it into more of a winning pattern, I would say, like more successful right. winning pattern. Um, he's always been the underdog ever since he came in the draft. They were trying to put him at wide receiver. And hmm. he has the MVP, and years later we're still like – pretty much he's still the underdog like we're still saying all this about him it's it's crazy it's crazy to me as well like I I, I do believe he's definitely up there with Mahomes 
just before we move on real quick, I don't know if you guys have already looked at it, but I want to play a little game. I want you guys to guess the spreads of the two games. So the Ravens versus the Chiefs with the Ravens at home and the Niners versus the Lions with the Niners at home. So we'll start with Ben. Okay, I'll say... For the, for the Ravens game, and we'll go yeah, game by game. I'll say the Ravens are favored by one and a half. How about you, Ricky? Okay, you you got to help me on the spread because I'm not, I'm not too familiar with the, gotcha. with the spread. So... Yeah, uh, the minus and the plus just denotes who's favorite. But just for this, um, just tell me who you think is favorite and by how many points. So like, like Ben said, Ravens minus what did you say? One and a half. Yeah. So that would be like the if the Ravens, Ravens win by two, they cover. Okay. If the Ravens win by one or lose, they don't cover. I think I have the Ravens favored by. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. Two. I'm gonna say two. So we got one and a half and two. The Ravens are four point favorites. Wow. That's against the Chiefs. I don't know. Which is a lot. I think that's too big. I think that's adjustment for like it's a buy it, it's a sell high spot for the Chiefs for a lot of betters. Uh the Ravens are at home, so they're obviously gonna be favorite. But that that is a lot of points yeah, for that, more than three is crazy. Yeah. Like two and a half you'd understand one score. You know what I'm saying? If they're gonna win, they're gonna win by three. I but having to be more than three is, is, is pretty high. What about the Niners? Well, given that if they're going that high with that, I'm saying seven and a half for the 49ers' favorite. I'm going lower. I think it's I think it's a little bit more tight. I would say, well, not too tight. I would say like 49ers under five. Yeah. So Ben was very close. Niners are minus seven. But yeah, seven yeah. and a half, seven. That's about right. I think. I think just because of the experience level, like, and they're at home. And they're at home. That's yeah. huge. That is true. And Goff in the playoffs, like he's been good in the first couple games, but historically, like, well, he did go to a Super Bowl though. He yep. did, but he lost in that Super Bowl by only putting up three points. Yeah, did not That's get true. in the end zone. It was really yeah. the defense <laughs> that got him. There. Defense and Todd Gurley. Yeah. So, uh, okay, but now we'll move on to the coaching changes. There's been a lot in the NFL so far. The Seahawks and Commanders are the only two that have not filled their new head coaching spot. We have the Falcons getting Raheem Morris, the Panthers getting Dave Canales, Chargers Jim Harbaugh, Titans Brian Callahan, Raiders Antonio Pierce, and Patriots Gerard Mayo. What has been the coaching hire that stood out to you most? We'll start with Jalen. As a Raider fan, I am so happy that we locked up Antonio Pierce amongst all of the coaching and front office debacles that the Raiders have had to endure past couple years I'm happy that we got our guy internally I think the Gruden thing the Del Rio thing the McDaniel thing it's good that we got a guy who loves this team as much as the players who are playing for him I mean we even saw we talked about a little bit this off air uh Ben but Max Crosby openly saying that he was going to pursue a trade if they didn't lock up Antonio Pierce so I think that's a microcosm of of Raider fans saying, hey, look, we're frustrated with all this change. We just want to figure it out with... If we're going to struggle, I want to be able to figure it out with this group of guys that we love and love playing for, Silver and Black. And and Antonio Pierce, after he uh, stepped in as, as interim, they were the number one defense uh, in terms of points allowed per game. And it showed. Yeah, the quarterbacks that they played in the back half of the season were definitely worse than, than the quarterbacks they were playing in the front half. But that Chiefs game at Arrowhead was the Raiders Super Bowl. That was the game for Antonio Pierce to keep his job 
and for maybe even Devontae Adams, you know, to stay in Las Vegas for the next couple of years. So, um, but besides that, with me having the little Raider bias, I think uh, similarly the uh, Gerard Mayo hiring for the Patriots is great for them since they did it internally. Um, again, we talked about this a little bit, but he was supposed to, he was kind of being groomed into being their guy after Belichick left. And I think more teams are kind of catching on to, you know, you, paying $100 million for this coach with a name is not particularly going to help you win the most games and get the farthest in the playoffs. Um, internal is everything, and, and culture is everything especially. And, and those were the two signings that I think stood out for me. Yeah, I also really like the Raiders um, doing uh, – or getting Antonio Pierce. He's – He's like the face of the Raiders. I'm not a big Raiders fan, but if I see the Raiders and I see the coach, I'll be like, okay, he looks like the coach for the mm-hmm. Raiders, you know. Um, my my team still hasn't don't doesn't have a, a head coach yet, so I'm I'm kind of worried a little bit and concerned because a lot of the coaches that I've seen were already or that are being picked up, I liked like yeah. uh, Dave Canales. He's going to be very good, and I feel like Bryce Young is going to have a very good season this this year coming up. He, Dave Canales was the quarterback coach for Seattle last year. And I think he's a big reason why Gino did so well. And he was the offense coordinator for the Bucks this year. And we've seen what Baker did in the playoffs. So he's a, a very good coach to uh, be watching for next year. Um, the Jim Harbaugh uh, to the Chargers, I feel like is good. You know, he has relationships with that. He played for them before. Right now, Natty Championship. Yep. And they, I, they have the pieces. I feel like they've been have the pieces. It's just a matter of putting it together and, figuring it out you know um but yeah other than that uh come on Seahawks we gotta lock in uh, yeah. I don't know what's going on and the market was so big for a head coach this year to be the last team to hire us is brutal yeah yeah because the commanders haven't officially hired but Ben Johnson the Lions offensive coordinator is most likely going there once the Lions season is over so it's a thin pool well I can't really say it's a thin pool because Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick are still out there but we're not going to get I, – I I don't want to get Bill Belichick. I mean, he's a great coach. He's one of the best coaches of all time. But I feel like him yeah. in the position, like, at, at Seattle, is, I don't I don't think it's going to – I think it's lateral with Pete Carroll. Yeah, it's I like 100% we're getting, agree. we're getting another older coach yeah. that's going to be kind of – you know, it's just not going to be efficient. But Mike, Mike Vrabel, Vrabel, I mean – I don't know. We we talked about it before getting on the podcast. I, I'm I'm 50-50 about that. But he did have success uh, with A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill. Uh, yeah, he's a good coach. So but he's a defensive guy first. He is a defensive guy. And we do need uh, a focus on defense. But I feel like our offense is just – Seattle. we just have problems, Seattle. We have, we have problems right now. <laughs> We need that's to get that's how we got our playoff spot. Your guys' <laughs> problems. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's 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 bad, but hopefully we could we could find somebody in and figure this thing out. Yeah. So to me, I like all the coaching hires honestly so far. Um, but Harbaugh is what stood out to me most. Getting him from Michigan after they won the national championship, it's finally a coach I can have confidence in developing Herbert. Right. He's been a great quarterback, but he hasn't really had, like, the team around him or the coaching to where he can be in that level of Mahomes, Lamar, Josh Allen. He's kind of been that second tier of quarterbacks. So I think he's going to have a breakout year. Um, 
they have a lot of issues with cap space and they need to work on their defense a lot. And maybe they need another receiver because Quentin Johnson isn't working out and Keenan Allen or Mike Williams are always hurt. So they have a lot to work on, but they finally have a coach I'm confident in. How many times have we put the Chargers in second, maybe even first in that AFC West division, just expecting them to overtake for Herbert to lead that team to overtake the the little Chargers stigma, and it just never happens. I mean, I think back to that that last game of the year in Allegiant Stadium, uh, took a timeout right at the end of the game and allowed the Raiders to kick a field goal instead of tying the game and both getting in. You lose the game and don't even get in. All you had to do was not lose <laughs> yeah. just, they just can't finish games they yeah. could put up all the points in the world but if the other team's putting up points <laughs> and you're making dumb decisions then you're not gonna win you're yeah. not gonna finish the game yeah Brandon Staley's tenures first year was that year where he did he called timeout which lost that in was playoff bad spot. the <laughs> next year they make the playoffs they play Jackson oh my goodness they're up 27 to 0 that. at I think it was at half I was time. watching that game I watched the they full were up, game yeah they were up 27 to 0 at some point I don't know if it was this, that score at halftime but they blew the game and lost yeah insanity so your coaching is clearly not well, so it's good they fired him. Now they have a coach who has experience and success in the NFL and in college, so I think it's going to be really helpful for them, but they still have a lot of issues to address in the offseason. All right, now we're going to kick it over to the NBA. So we just had the all-star starters announced for each conference. We have in the East, Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, Giannis, who is the captain, and Joel Embiid. In the West, we have Shea, Luka, LeBron, who's the captain, Kevin Durant, and Nikola Jokic. So are there any snubs from the starting lineup that you guys have? Jalen, we'll start with you. Right off the top of my head, the West looks great. I think all five of these guys are having career years. Jokic doing what he's doing. Shea really blossoming into his own. Luka and Durant studying the course. And LeBron proving that age is just a number and he is a robot. I mean, that guy's getting better. How is he getting better? Shouldn't be possible. Um, in the East, I love that Halliburton got his flowers. You can't deny a guy who's averaging almost, I mean, is he still at 50, 40, 90? He's probably, if not, he's close, he's close. And he's averaging more than 12 assists with 27 plus points a game. I see Lillard on here. And I know the Bucks had that stint where it was very, very hard for them to score points. It was very hard for them to win games. Giannis was frustrated. What do you guys think? Do you guys think there's a guard who is better than Damian Lillard? Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson. Yeah, I love I mean, Jalen yeah. Brunson. We talked about it before the podcast. It's yeah, Jalen Brunson is probably the only person I see that could replace Lillard. He, it it was it has been hard for the Bucks. He he's had good games. Lillard he he's had good games, but Jalen Brunson's definitely been way more consistent. I would him. agree. Yeah. I think the thing is like both of them have been like overall their numbers are probably very similar. But Brunson is the number one on their team, and they've been really good this year. And Lillard has struggled a little bit for his standards, and he's the number two on his team now right. behind Giannis. So. Yeah, hit that game winner against Sacramento. and Yeah, he's been great. I He definitely deserves to be an all-star. I think I would just start Brunson over Lillard. Um, so I think that's all the change we would have. I yeah, think the rest of it the looks West, pretty good. I mean, the West is crazy. <laughs> Shea, yeah. Shea's averaging 30. Luka's averaging 30. LeBron's LeBron. Durant's been on a heater recently in Jokic. It's like, yeah, the West is so tight. It, you guys I'm, remember I'm when, when Jalen Brunson first got paid after that uh, postseason run he had with Dallas and everyone was just like 25, 20 million for 
a backup shooting guard who can't shoot threes, and now he's leading that team to, you know, the expectation for them is a deep a deep run in the East. And I one thing I love about his game is that he's so small, but he's so strong. He's back-to-the-basket guy as a point guard, and that's something we don't see very much with all the shots coming, you know, uh, behind the break and, and in the paint. Especially in the playoffs, I think when every team can defend and every team has athletes and every team is closing out so hard in the three-point line, he can pump fake one dribble, you know, 18 feet out, he's automatic. And it's so pretty to watch. He's kind of bringing that mid-range meta back to the NBA and showing that, hey, you can average 30 points and not shoot 10, 15 threes a game like, you know, these other stars are doing. But I, I love Jalen Brunson. Yeah, and to that point, Brunson is so strong, and he also has great footwork. So when he's in the paint, he could either fade away for a mid-range or he could get that layup depending on what the defense does. Something does. about that lefty that yeah, lefty shot is, is so pretty. Different. It's different. He knows so. how to attack. He knows how to – he knows his spots. He, he he's, he's, he's great. He's great. So that's probably our only snub for this list. Uh, let's move into the high NBA scoring recently. We talked a little bit off-air. And, Ricky, you were talking about how Embiid, Cat, and Booker have been performing, so you want to go into that? Yeah, it's been it's been crazy the last couple weeks. Crazy. Um, yeah, with Joel having 70 and Cat having 63 on the same night. Uh, and I think it was the same night Kobe had his 81. Yes, it was. I don't think it's just a coincidence. I feel like around this time, just normally in the NBA, is when like all the stars start getting their groove and start really mm-hmm. like heating up. And especially, like, with the, the push, the MVP push, like Joel and Jokic and stuff, I feel like it's more yet to come. I feel like it's going to be another huge performance. Um, but And also, all, they're all efficient games. Like, they're all shooting over 50%. Like, it's, <laughs> you're, you're scoring 70 points and shooting over 50%. He's getting to the line yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah, 20, I think he had 20, he was 21. 23, 23 free throw yeah. attempts or something crazy. Something, something like that, but... They're all efficient games, and I feel like we're just seeing the NBA change right now just with all the scoring. It's coaches is doing a great job uh, getting their stars the ball in the places they want to get them, which is good, uh, and they're being very creative right now. So I'm liking it. I'm, I'm loving it right now. It's, I love the scoring. Yeah, I think that was a good point that around this time of year is where everyone kind of finds their rhythm. Mm-hmm. It's a little over halfway through the season now, so everyone's kind of acclimated with their teams. Um and it's kind of where they start to make that push towards the all-star break and then uh after the all-star break sometimes there's a little regression but definitely right now is like the peak we're going to get for scoring for the year so I think Embiid's performance was against Wemby but I don't think Wemby was guarding him a lot of the game um but still a great game for him 70 I think he was (laughs) the ninth player to score 70 in a game uh, and he was 21 for 23 from the free throw line. And he only made one three, right? He was like one for two. I think so, That's yeah. unbelievable. That, That's, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think bigs are really back in the NBA. Like yeah. That was like the last five years, teams were going to like small ball. And now we have Embiid, Jokic, Anthony Davis. We have Chet and Wemby coming up. So it's exciting. Sabonis so and Sacramento is playing really well. He's on the heater Leading well. the league in rebounds. He's so yeah, physical. He's close to a triple-double average. Goodness though. gracious, yeah, he's so good. So I think it's just kind of shifting. We're, we're, we have talent at every position now. Like before, they're, like in the early 2000s and like 2010s, it was guards that were kind of getting phased out. 
and then Steph came along and changed the game from three, and now that's really important. But wings and forwards are, have just been consistently really big with like LeBron, Tatum, KD, and then now the bigs are coming back. So it's just an exciting time for basketball. We have so much talent at each position. Um, now we can move into the NBA trades and trade rumors. So we've had a few trades go down since our last pod. We had Terry Rozier going to the Heat, Pascal Siakam going to the Pacers, OG Ananobi going to the Knicks, and Marvin Bagley going to the Wizards. That's more of a smaller one. But um, what trade has stood out to you most? We'll start with Ricky. Um, I like the Ro- I like the Rozier trade for sure. I think that's an upgrade for the Heat. I really don't want to get like talking about Charlotte because I don't really they're not, I don't think they're making playoffs or anything. They just wanted to pick. Yeah, yeah, Kyle Lowry. He's he's gonna be good for like Lamelo, and I think he's a good culture boost for the team. Or he's gonna change the culture, especially with a lot of stuff that's been happening in Charlotte, like with all the you know stuff's been going on with players. But he's he's good, I guess, for them. But yeah, the Rozier's upgrade, Pascal trade, uh, really st- stood out. I'll let you guys talk about that one, but the uh, uh, OG Ananobi trade, that was a good trade as for the for the Knicks. Uh, their defense has been way better. Um, it kind of helps them, I guess, fluctuate the ball more, or it, it kind of gives. They when they had R.J. Barrett and uh, Emmanuel quickly, it was more of a their trying to look to score more, you know, and now they have OG Ananobi. He's not really a big scorer, but he's going to get you the rebounds. He's going to get you the 15, 17 points he averages, as well as great defense. So I think that was a very underrated trade for, for the Knicks. Yeah, speaking on that a little bit, um, OG is a great fit over there. Thibodeau loves defensive players, um, and he fits his system really well, and he could still be like a third or fourth option as a scorer. And R.J. Barrett and Quickly, like you said, are scores. And Quickly's contract was also up at the end of the year. And the Knicks and Quickly were very far off on an extension. So that's part of the reason they moved him. And Barrett's on a max contract, and he was not playing like a max player. So moving him for OG Ananobi, who fits that 3 and D mold perfect next to Brunson and Randall, I think that was a great trade for them. Yeah. Yeah. Took the words right out of my mouth. Um Knicks needed more defense on the wings. They got it. They needed a guy who can guard a number one or number two option on the ball for 48 minutes or however long he's going to be in the game. They got well, it. Thibodeau plays his yeah. starters 40 minutes. And if it goes into <laughs> overtime, he'll play it all. He'll play yeah. them all. 52-minute game, OG Anunoby, 52 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the uh, – yeah, that, that's great stuff. But the uh, the Pascal trade, I think, for me, really stood out. He's been in trade talks around this time of year for the past, I mean, it seems like... Ever since, since Kawhi left, really. Yes, since since he was a piece for that Raptors team that went all the way. And for this to be the last year that the Raptors could move him, I think they got a really good return. The first-round picks they're going to get are not going to be lottery picks because Indiana looks like they're going to be in a place to contend. But the fact that they got first-round capital for a guy who is going to play half the season for whatever team they moved him for is really, really good. And on the other side of it, Indianapolis is not giving up that much for a guy who's going to come in and, and complement Tyrese Halliburton's style of play perfectly. Siakam can play vertical. He can play horizontal. He can play back to the basket. Gives you good rim protection. And Indianapolis, they, they just got better. And him with along with Miles Turner... And, I mean, Halliburton has just been balling. Like, so that's a team that to look out for. I think, I can't remember, but 
the first episode we did our little rankings. I think all three of us had Indiana in the playoffs, if I remember correctly. Um, I'll look at my list. And it looks like they're going to... Honestly, don't think I had. Keep going. <laughs> Maybe not Ricky. I I was I speak really. I remember I spoke highly about Halliburton. Yeah. Um, he's just a fun player to watch. Goodness he's gracious. such a good playmaker, and he's improved as a scorer over the years. Um, his shooting's gotten better this yep. year too. So it's just really exciting for Indiana and Pascal. It sounds like they're going to be able to work out an extension with them in the off season. If you don't, it kind of. Makes that trade questionable, right? Then it just depends on what you do in the playoffs. Even you know, yeah, you gotta, you gotta. And I don't up. think this is the win it all year for them. Exactly. I think they're still one or two years away from being in a, a contending spot, but they have a great core now, and they have young guys that are still coming up, like the Isaiah Jackson. They were able to uh, hold on to him, um, and they they just have a good young core over there that they're growing. Um, that Matherin guy's pretty good. So Matherin's they great. have lots of young talent. They like they were refusing to put him in any trade offers. Good for them. Um, I love when teams protect their young guys like that. It's too easy to just flip young guys for the star. Yeah, and so then cool there was uh, the guy they took with the uh, seventh overall pick this year. I think uh, that they didn't trade. Um, I'm just gonna look him up real quick. But they were able to keep like their whole young core. Obi Toppin stayed there. Um, that was a good pickup for them. Yeah, so they just really kept their whole team together, and Bruce Brown was an off-season signing, and um, he was solid. Um, but if you're getting an All-Star in Pascal Siakam, you don't care. Yeah, and that's another do. positive for the Raptors. They can flip Bruce Brown to another contender, probably for another first-round pick, if not a pretty good second or just more young talent. And uh, Jairus Walker was the player I was thinking of. They took him eighth overall in the draft. Mm. Um so they kept all their young guys together, really, and are still going to be really competitive. They traded three first-round picks that probably aren't going to be super valuable. So I think it was a great trade for them. Um, and now I think they're going to be the second tier of the East. I think right now it's Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and then kind of have Miami, Indiana, New York in that next tier of they can win a series, but are they going to make it to the finals? Probably not. Well, Miami's one of those teams. You never where, know with yeah, Miami. You never yep. know because the last couple of years they had a questionable record in the regular season, and they just started being teams in the playoffs. So it's the coaching. Yeah, Spolstra turns it up. I think he's the best coach in the league by far. Yep. And Jimmy Butler's a playoff performer. So combine those two guys, those you never know. Perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, yeah, I think that's why the Rozier trade was so good because. Those playoff games where, I mean, you had Lowry last year, and now you have a player that could get you 30 on any given night. It's going to be tough. It's, it's going to be tough. I do think uh, Caleb Mark Martin and the rest of the those dudes got to step up, though. They haven't really been playing as well as they should, but it's a good trade. And good trade. are the 76ers a Tier 1 team in the East? The way Embiid's playing right now, and Maxi too. I mean, maybe they – they're not at the same level. So I guess tier one, maybe not. Because Boston and Milwaukee are definitely definitely separate. Yeah. They're not in tier two, but they're right outside of the tier one building. Exactly. They're knocking. Yeah. But no one's letting them in. I <laughs> think their trade, de- trade deadline is going to be huge because they have so many contracts they can move. Um, Marcus Morris is making a lot. Batum is making a lot. Uh, Tobias Harris, if they wanted to move him, is on like $38 million. 
So they could get another all-star at the deadline. They have picks because of the Harden trade. So it could be interesting if they get that next guy to put with Maxine and Bede, they could jump up to tier one. Yeah. I'm I'm not sold on Boston. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Wow. I'm I'm not I'm not sold. They they do this every year. And yeah, they have success. I feel like I, I was watching they were playing Milwaukee. I forgot what day it was. I think it was they like they got blown out by Milwaukee. And they just got blown out game, immediately. Yeah. And I, I was just looking, I'm like, Yes, they're talented. They have all the talent in the world. But games like the like this, it, it just doesn't it doesn't sit right with me. And they're gonna have to play these teams in the playoffs later. And how are they gonna how are they gonna respond if they're down by a certain amount or if they're you know you have to fight adversity against these teams? I honestly think the Sixers can compete with with, with Boston and Milwaukee on any any given night. But I'm actually the other way. I think that Boston is got better than last year by adding Porzingis, by adding size. And Drew Holiday. Yes, they have their premier defender in Drew Holiday now. I I think they're more complete than in prior years when, yes, they have done the dance of get to the conference finals and then just find a way to not win four games in the conference finals. But I really think that the eye test, I watched that game and they it was really bad. <laughs> but the same thing could be said, I think, for the Bucks. There's games when the Bucks play on national TV, and that game against Cleveland, they scored yeah. two points in the first like six minutes, and we're down like twenty-eight to two. That's yeah. take two timeouts, and and, and Cleveland went on to <laughs> just blow blow them out that game. And I think the difference between two contending teams who are obviously going to have games like that is like when it's close, when you're down by you know ten. How do you look coming back in the later half of the games? And Boston just. When they get into their groove, it's very, very hard to stop because you you close out threes and they're just so big on the interior getting offensive rebounds, and their defense is so good. Drew Holiday is a huge part of that. Tatum has really, I mean, that guy is so good. He's coming into his own with his game. He can do it all. Jalen Brown is is Jalen Brown and Porzingis have this like crazy two man game that I did not expect at the beginning of uh, this season. I think they're the most complete team in the, in the, in the East. Jalen Brown posted today uh, a picture with him and Porzingis, cookies and cream. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they've had really great chemistry. Yeah. So I think random, I agree with like you. It's like random as hell, too. It really is, <laughs> yeah. Uh, adding two all-stars on top of Tatum and Brown has really made them complete. Derek White is a phenomenal role player. Yeah. Derek White's playing He good. could be a star somewhere else, I Goodness think. Goodness gracious. Um, yeah. Talk about underrated. Not anymore. People, I mean, Everyone knows good. now, yeah. yeah. He's one of the best perimeter defenders. Him and Drew Holiday, that's the best defending backcourt. So consistent from three. Yeah. So I think they're my favorite out east right now. In Milwaukee, too, we're going to get into this right now. Um, I don't believe in them as much right now because they have changes going on. They fired their coach uh, only 42 games or 43 games into the season that they signed this offseason to a four-year deal. So now they're going to be paying – him, Mike Budenholzer, who they fired in the offseason, and Doc Rivers, who they're bringing in. So do we think the Doc Rivers coaching ad changes things? We'll start with Jalen. No, because when in the history of any sport, not just the NBA, has a team hired a guy midway through the season, and that's the guy that takes them 
far in the playoffs? I actually have Tyron an answer. Lou, right? oh. Tyron Lue for the 2016 Cavs that came back down 3-1. Uh, they fired David Blatt midseason. They wow, were the one was seed. That? Tyron Lue took over, and me. they won the championship. It is a little different, and it, it is different. That was internal. Yeah, well, and but David David Black was there for two years before. Yes, that's well. true. He's he's just new head coach, so I, I, yeah. But I and wasn't. there's another example yeah. I have too from oh, the sorry. '80s. Okay, okay. Uh, the Lakers fired Paul Westhead midseason for assistant at coach at the time Pat Riley. Wow. And Pat Riley obviously became one of the greatest coaches ever, but both of those were internal. They were on the staffs. Interesting. So Doc Rivers, I guess, kind of was because he was a consultant. Yep. But he wasn't there the whole year. He wasn't like actually physically with the team, so I think it's different. But those are examples yes, thank to you. refute that one point. <laughs> Very good. Now I can play it off as my question not being rhetorical. <laughs> but anyway, just looking at it, like okay, we're gonna bring this guy in with 39 games left, and he's gonna fix all the things that could not be fixed with the guy that we just fired. <laughs> I don't know that that computes you know what I mean just looking at it as a sports fan from an objective like I don't care who the team with or the mascot with the jersey that is on the team playing that situation is very very hard and thank you for those two examples because I didn't know that and Tyron Lue had uh the LeBron James guy but um and Pat Riley had Magic and Kareem (laughs) yeah I mean, we got Giannis and Lillard. Maybe, maybe this is the time they cement themselves with those with those names that you just said. But I don't buy it. I think it's like we said. There's talent in every position. Every team has talent. It's so wide open that you need everything to go right for you in the playoffs. And if one thing goes wrong, you're out. And it's gonna take a lot for everything to go right for the Bucks and for a team like Denver, a team like Boston. It's not gonna take that much for everything to go right for them. They have more ways to win. And you know it's that's that says it all. I think I'm 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 all in on those teams that kind of have hammered out all the things that have to hammer it out already. Um, and it's gonna be tough. I think it'll be tough for Milwaukee. Yeah, if you're if you're like looking uh, in the M- or looking at the NBA a little bit, you know, um, in like in the beginning of the season, you kind of seen a little bit of the dysfunction. I think you know it was it was a lot on the news and a lot of people were talking about you know the dynamic between Giannis and Adrian Griffin and is this gonna work? Um, when he did get fired, I was surprised because they had one of the best uh, records in the NBA, and I thought it was I thought the dysfunction wasn't that much to where you gotta fire him mid-season, especially because he's a new coach. Um, Doc's a great coach, but as Jalen said, I mean, what problems are you really gonna resolve? hiring doc i mean maybe it was something that like yeah super internal to where we like we just don't know and it might like i, I don't know i honestly don't know but i i feel like they still have a chance to win uh, a championship just because they have Giannis in 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 dame i mean you can't really say that it's just over um but they had to do what they had to do i guess it, it had to be something to the like extent to where like they they just couldn't they couldn't like keep them on. I, I it was it was confusing to me the first like the first thing I got. And I, I want to go back on my statement and kind of reclarify because that's one hundred percent I agree with you in the, in the sense that the Bucks still have the same exact team as they had with this other coach. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the hiring of Doc Rivers automatically is going to rule them out, 
But I don't think that the hiring of Doc Rivers is going to put them above what they already were, is all I was trying to reiterate. But I'm not saying that because this happened, now they're destined to, you know, not make a deep run. They still are, I mean, a top four, if not top three, talent-wise in the whole league. So, Yeah, uh, I think part of this was it sounds like he lost the locker room. From what I've seen on reports, it sounds like he was very, like, authoritative in the locker room. Um, like, Bobby Portis called a players-only meeting maybe, like, 10, 20 games into the season. Um, and it just seemed like he didn't really get the locker room behind him. So you have a championship-caliber team. If you're not getting the coach right coach in place, then, yeah, fire him midseason. Now, is Doc Rivers going to fix all the problems you have in your roster? No, you still need to go be active at the trade deadline. So to your point, like they still have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. But Doc Rivers is a guy that players around the league really respect right. for, for years and years. So he's going to get the most out of Giannis and Dame. Now, in the playoffs, he has struggled. Um, he won the title with the Celtics in 2008. Since then, his playoff history has not been great at all. So that's something to be a little concerned about. But Adrian Griffin would have been no experience as a head coach going into the playoffs. So, Doc, you're definitely getting more experience. You're getting a guy that the players will respect, but they still have a lot of work to do overall to become in that same team. Like, they're they're one of the best teams in the league. But Boston and Denver look way more complete, to your point. What do you guys think it was? Because if you have one of the best records in in the NBA – like, yeah, I, I do understand he could have lost the locker room, but, like, what do you guys truly think the reason why they, mm-hmm. they let him go? Especially, like, because if, if that was the case, they should have just hired Doc, like, the beginning of the season, you know? From what I've seen, Giannis liked the hire at the time. Um, and it sounds like maybe just throughout the year they kind of lost respect for him. I saw um, – Giannis was drawing up plays on the clipboard in Adrian Griffin's last game as the head coach. So maybe it's just a philosophy thing. Because if Gian- if your best player is like drawing crazy. up the play on a <laughs> clipboard, insane. like, I don't know. Yeah. We don't really know. That's it. weird. It's, it's that not is, like they're not going to no, say. That's weird. Like, they're not going to say, like, this is why we fired him, yeah. even though we're a good team. Was, was he on the staff last year? No, I believe he he was the uh, top assistant in Toronto with Nick Nurse, I believe, at the time. Mm. Um, It's a a strange situation. It's a very strange situation, and it's not going to fix everything for them. But I'm pretty sure more will come out soon. I'm pretty sure. We'll we'll definitely get more. Um, But, yeah, I think that is good for this episode. Next episode, we'll talk a little bit. We kind of missed it. Uh, Josh Giddy, uh, he got his case uh, dropped. Um, and we'll talk about Lakers trade rumors because you'll see every player on every other team across the league linked to them. So <laughs> yeah. it's fun for me. DeJounte Murray's going to go to 10 different, <laughs> 10 different teams. Zach Levine. <laughs> We're out on him, actually. Oh, no more Zach Levine. It's just DeJounte is like the main guy, but we have like 20 other guys we're linked to. So we'll talk about that next time. Um, and until then, class dismissed. Thank you for listening to the Sports Report Podcast. Be sure to check out our Instagram at the Sports Report Pod for more content and to never miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Score!